Hello, welcome to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan, here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Together, we'll discover great music and pick up information to keep all kinds of jazz alive. Sponsored by Peterborough Independent Podcasters. Today, part two of What If Bebop Stayed in the After Hours Clubs and swing and big band music continued to evolve. I put out that question in the Jazz World site, asking for some ideas of music that would fit that theme, and got lots of great responses. Raphael Ekareka suggested I listen to John Pizzarelli and his big band. This band was led by Jeff Hamilton and brothers Jeff and John Clayton, founded in 1985, featuring John Pizzarelli on guitar and vocal. I'll play their version of Fly Me to the Moon. I'm not so sure that Pizzarelli's masterful guitar and vocal scat solo doesn't have a bebop influence. You tell me what you think. From 2007, live from Basel, Switzerland, Fly Me to the Moon. Thank you. 
ship and the door. In other words, please be true. In other words, in other words, I love you. The Clayton Hamilton Jazz Orchestra with John Pizzarelli on guitar and vocal. And while I've subtitled this episode, as well as last week's, Bopless Jazz, the bebop influence you hear in Pizzarelli's and pianist Tamir Handelman's solos, just might reflect a jazz world that developed organically, as I described last week, into a highly sophisticated popular music accepted by the masses, as well as appreciated by those who study it. But maybe I'm laboring on that too much. One subgenre of jazz that seems to have bypassed bebop for the most part is Brazilian jazz, typified by the beautiful compositions of Antonio Carlos Jobim. His music is so often called out in jazz jams, and so often the performers have to restrain their bebop tendencies in order to play it. One of my favorite Joe Beam tunes, although I have many favorites, is Triste, spelled T-R-I-S-T-E. Oscar Peterson recorded this twice in 1970, once with Sam Jones and Bobby Durham, a fast and crazy version, and the other was Slower and Mellower, a Live in Cologne version released in 2015 with George Mraz on bass and Ray Price drums. Both versions are great, but I'm going to play the slower, more relaxed version from Cologne because I really love it, and it very much demonstrates that lyrical Latin melody, even within the improvisations, sort of the antithesis of bebop, Oscar Peterson trio, Triste.
Such a beautiful song. I think I'll play another Oscar Peterson version of the same song recorded in the same year, 1970, but with different musicians. Bassist Sam Jones and drummer Bobby Durham. Here it is, Triste.
two very different versions of Triste by different incarnations of the Oscar Peterson Trio from 1970. Today, talking about jazz that has been virtually untouched by the bebop virus. Not that I don't like bebop. It certainly has been at the forefront of most jazz recordings since the late 1940s, early 50s, and has had its own very creative evolutions. Last week... I mentioned that musicologist and bassist Michael Morse suggested that there was a straight line from swing to rock and roll through rhythm and blues. Yet, even the swing revival that dominated rock, pop, and even jazz radio for a while in the late 80s, early 90s didn't totally ignore bebop. Taking perhaps a detour in that straight line from swing to rock and roll to which Michael Morse refers... Here's the Brian Setzer Orchestra from 1994 with a rendition of an old R&B recording by Winoni Harris, but with a bit of a twist. In the middle of it, the orchestra quotes two jazz tunes, one from the swing era, the Billy Strayhorn Duke Ellington hit of Take the A-Train, followed by a touch of bebop with Thelonious Monk's Monk's Dream. Sorry about the sexism and ageism, but at least you can dance to it. Brian Setzer Orchestra.
Adrian Setzer Orchestra. One very interesting suggestion in response to my query on the Jazz World site about what jazz might have looked like if bebop hadn't existed came from George Matoyan, who suggested electro swing that kids dance to. What is that anyway? So I looked it up, and wow, there's a whole genre of dance music out there that I had never heard. And they were huge hits. They're short, so I think I can play two or three of at least parts of them without losing my whole jazz audience. Electro Swing is supposedly swing and jazz mixed with house and hip-hop. Dance floor music with some of the energy of live brass and early swing recordings. It uses real instruments and usually employs a DJ. Let's start with Electro Swing's biggest hit, I'm an Albatross by Swedish DJ Aaron Chupa. It's been certified seven times platinum in Sweden, quadruple platinum in Canada, triple platinum in Italy, double platinum in Australia. And all that really means is that it sold a lot of records, or at least had lots of downloads, with Little Sis Nora from 2014. Oh, and a content warning here. There's some swear words. Mesdames et messieurs, s'il vous plaît, soyez prêts pour Aaron Chupa et Albatraoz. C'est parti! I meant to cut it off a little bit sooner, but it's so catchy. But I can't say I really hear the swing and jazz in that. More so in this next one by an Australian group, Yolanda Be Cool and D Cup. A major hit in Australia and Europe also made the U.S. Billboard charts. From 2010, we know speak Americano. <laughs> Si tu la parla mi ez americano, quando sa fa l'amore sotto la luna, come da venen cave di ai novi. 
one more electro swing recording. Here's one from 2013, and this one I really like. So I'll play the whole three and a half minute record. Definitely an old jazz swing spirit. French singer and songwriter Dimey Cat. She apparently disappeared from public view in 2015, shortly after releasing her third album, and nobody's been able to find her. The tune is called AAA or AAA. Dimey Cat. examples of electro swing. That last one was Dimey Cat from France. Let's have some straightforward big band jazz. 
Rob Chalfant, in answer to my query about where jazz might have gone if bebop hadn't taken over, stated, that's kind of what mainstream was as a genre in the 50s, as typified by the prestige subsidiary of that name. And here, by the way, Chalfant is talking about a specific label called mainstream which featured a lot of swing stars of the pre-bop era, usually veterans of big bands like Henderson, Lunsford, and Ellington. In combos and big arrangements, they're usually quite good and largely untainted by bop development, unquote. On the mainstream label, from 1964, here is the Maynard Ferguson Orchestra with a jazz standard, originally a movie theme, Green Dolphin Street.
Dolphin Street, or On Green Dolphin Street, Canadian trumpeter Maynard Ferguson and his orchestra from 1964. Another suggestion, this one from Sean McCarthy, was to check out Kansas Smitty's. So I did. And what a fascinating story. It was a case of a band wanting a venue, so they set up their own bar in Hackney, East London, and it's become legendary. This seven-piece band called called Kansas Smitty's runs the place and calls it home, a band that doesn't sound remotely like any of its contemporaries. It is described as playing a knowing, at times slightly wry patchwork of jazz styles from the past, filtered through 21st century ears and sensibility. Now that sounds interesting. Here is a single they put out in 2020 called Riders. Giacomo Smith, composer and clarinetist, states that it's a soundtrack for long midnight journeys. Night's fallen and the old-world mysticism of Europe is in your mind's eye. A cinematic track and the flagship tune of a new sound. Unquote. Kansas Smitty's from the album Things Happened Here.
call themselves Kansas Smitties. They play at Kansas Smitties in London. That's Riders from 2020. Well, I realize that I have lots of time left, but I have a very long track that I want to end with. One path that some elements of jazz have followed is the folk music one. And I realized that some of my favorite albums of last year, such as ones by Scotland's Fergus McCready, Finland's Yusi Rayonen, and one from a couple of years ago by Iceland's Suna Gunlegs, incorporates a lot of folk music from different countries. And this isn't anything new, as Stan Getz, Miles Davis, Sonny Rollins, and others have done the same. One of my favorites is by Swedish alto saxophonist Martin Kuchin and a group that he formed called Angles. The album, which has only three long tracks, is called A Muted Reality. His Angles project uses various players and ensemble sizes and has put out 11 albums. This particular evolution is an octet. It's the first one I've heard and it's one of my favorite albums of last year. Kuchin is influenced by Eastern folk music, East African, Arab, Spanish, and Balkan, as well as Nordic. Also by the works of Carla Blay, Charles Mingus, and Chris McGregor's Brotherhood of Breath. It's a fascinating combination of ensemble arrangements with free-blowing improvised solos by Kuchin's alto saxophone, and especially here by trumpeter Goran Kafies and trombonist Mats Alaklid, please forgive my pronunciation here, from this three-track album. This is the second track, called The Hidden Balcony, and it's 13 and a half minutes long. This is Larry Sademan saying bye for now. I'll be back next week. With some recent discoveries of historical recordings, as well as some reissues of great older jazz.
Thank <laughs> you.